Chapter Three of Cousin Betty by Honoré de Balzac, translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Three. You will still be handsome ten years hence. Crevel went on with his arms folded. Be kind to me, and Mademoiselle Hulot will marry. Hulot has given me the right, as I have explained to you, to put the matter crudely, and he will not be angry in three years i have saved the interest on my capital for my dissipations have been restricted i have three hundred thousand francs in the bank over and above my invested fortune they are yours go said madame hulot go monsieur and never let me see you again but for the necessity in which you placed me to learn the secret of your cowardly conduct with regard to the match i had planned for hortense yes cowardly she repeated in answer to a gesture from crevel how can you load a poor girl a pretty innocent creature with such a weight of enmity but for the necessity that goaded me as a mother you would never have spoken to me again never again have come within my doors thirty-two years of an honourable and loyal life shall not be swept away by a blow from monsieur crevel the retired perfumer successor to cesar birotteau at the queen of the roses rue st honore added crevel in mocking tones deputy mayor captain in the national guard chevalier of the legion of honor exactly what my predecessor was monsieur said the baroness if after twenty years of constancy monsieur hulot is tired of his wife that is nobody's concern but mine as you see he has kept his infidelity a mystery for i did not know that he had succeeded you in the affections of mademoiselle josepha oh it has cost him a pretty penny madame his singing-bird has cost him more than a hundred thousand francs in these two years aha you have not seen the end of it have done with all this monsieur crevel i will not for your sake forego the happiness a mother knows who can embrace her children without a single pang of remorse in her heart who sees herself respected and loved by her family and i will give up my soul to god unspotted amen exclaimed crevel with the diabolical rage that embitters the face of these pretenders when they fail for the second time in such an attempt you do not yet know the latter end of poverty shame disgrace i have tried to warn you i would have saved you you and your daughter well you must study the modern parable of the prodigal father from a to z your tears and your pride move me deeply said crevel seating himself for it is frightful to see the woman one loves weeping all i can promise you dear adeline is to do nothing against your interests or your husband's only never send to me for information that is all what is to be done cried madame hulot up to now the baroness had bravely faced the threefold torment which this explanation inflicted on her for she was wounded as a woman as a mother and as a wife in fact so long as her son's father-in-law was insolent and offensive she had found the strength in her resistance to the aggressive tradesman but the sort of good nature he showed in spite of his exasperation as a mortified adorer and as a humiliated national guardsman broke down her nerve strung to the point of snapping 
she wrung her hands melted into tears and was in a state of such helpless dejection that she allowed crevel to kneel at her feet kissing her hands good god what will become of us she went on wiping away her tears can a mother sit still and see her child pine away before her eyes what is to be the fate of that splendid creature as strong in her pure life under her mother's care as she is by every gift of nature there are days when she wanders round the garden out of spirits without knowing why i find her with tears in her eyes she is one and twenty said crevel must i place her in a convent asked the baroness but in such cases religion is impotent to subdue nature and the most piously trained girls lose their head get up pray monsieur do you not understand that everything is final between us that i look upon you with horror that you have crushed a mother's last hopes but if i were to restore them asked he madame hulot looked at crevel with a frenzied expression that really touched him but he drove pity back to the depths of his heart she had said i look upon you with horror virtue is always a little too rigid it overlooks the shades and instincts by help of which we are able to tack when in a false position so handsome a girl as mademoiselle hortense does not find a husband nowadays if she is penniless crevel remarked resuming his starchiest manner your daughter is one of those beauties who rather alarm intending husbands like a thoroughbred horse which is too expensive to keep up to find a ready purchaser if you go out walking with such a woman on your arm every one will turn to look at you and follow and covet his neighbor's wife such success is a source of much uneasiness to men who do not want to be killing lovers for after all no man kills more than one in the position in which you find yourself there are just three ways of getting your daughter married either by my help and you will have none of it that is one or by finding some old man of sixty very rich childless and anxious to have children that is difficult still such men are to be met with many old men take up with a josepha a jenny cadine why should not one be found who is ready to make a fool of himself under legal formalities if it were not for celestine and our two grandchildren i would marry hortense myself that is two the last way is the easiest madame hulot raised her head and looked uneasily at the ex-perfumer paris is a town whither every man of energy and they sprout like saplings on french soil comes to meet his kind talent swarms here without hearth or home and energy equal to anything even to making a fortune well these youngsters your humble servant was such a one in his time and how many he has known what had du tillet or popinot twenty years since they were both pottering around in daddy birotteau's shop with not a penny of capital but their determination to get on which in my opinion is the best capital a man can have money may be eaten through but you don't eat through your determination why what had i the will to get on and plenty of pluck at this day du tillet is a match for the greatest folks little popinot the richest druggist of the rue des lombards became a deputy now he is in office well one of these free lances as we say on the stock market of the pen or of the brush 
is the only man in paris who would marry a penniless beauty for they have courage enough for anything Monsieur Papineau married Mademoiselle Birotteau without asking for a farthing. Those men are madmen, to be sure. They trust in love, as they trust in good luck and brains. Find a man of energy who will fall in love with your daughter, and he will marry without a thought of money. You must confess that by way of an enemy I am not ungenerous, for this advice is against my own interests oh monsieur crevel if you would indeed be my friend and give up your ridiculous notions ridiculous madame do not run yourself down look at yourself i love you and you will come to be mine the day will come when i shall say to hulot you took josepha i have taken your wife it is the old law of tit-for-tat and i will persevere till i have attained my end unless you should become extremely ugly i shall succeed and i will tell you why he went on resuming his attitude and looking at madame hulot you will not meet with such an old man or such a young lover he said after a pause because you love your daughter too well to hand her over to the manoeuvres of an old libertine and because you the baronne hulot sister of the old lieutenant-general who commanded the veteran grenadiers of the old guard will not condescend to take a man of spirit wherever you may find him for he might be a mere craftsman as many a millionaire of to-day was ten years ago a working artisan or the foreman of a factory and then when you see the girl urged by her twenty years capable of dishonouring you all you will say to yourself it will be better that i should fall if monsieur crevel will but keep my secret i will earn my daughter's portion two hundred thousand francs for ten years attachment to that old glove-seller old crevel i disgust you no doubt and what i am saying is horribly immoral you think but if you happen to have been bitten by an overwhelming passion you would find a thousand arguments in favour of yielding as women do when they are in love yes and hortense's interests will suggest to your feelings such terms of surrendering your conscience hortense has still an uncle what old fischer he is winding up his concerns and that again is the baron's fault his rake is dragged over every till within his reach comte hulot oh madame your husband has already made thin air of the old general's savings he spent them in furnishing his singer's rooms now come am i to go without a hope good-bye monsieur a man easily gets over a passion for a woman of my age and you will fall back on christian principles god takes care of the wretched the baroness rose to oblige the captain to retreat and drove him back into the drawing-room ought the beautiful madame hulot to be living amid such squalor said he and he pointed to an old lamp a chandelier bereft of its gilding the threadbare carpet the very rags of wealth which made the large room with its red white and gold look like a corpse of imperial festivities monsieur virtue shines on it all i have no wish to owe a handsome abode to having made of the beauty you are pleased to ascribe to me a man-trap and a money-box for five-franc pieces 
the captain bit his lips as he recognized the words he had used to vilify josepha's avarice and for whom are you so magnanimous said he by this time the baroness had got her rejected admirer as far as the door for a libertine said he with a lofty grimace of virtue and superior wealth if you are right my constancy has some merit monsieur that is all after bowing to the officer as a woman bows to dismiss an importune visitor she turned away too quickly to see him once more fold his arms she unlocked the doors she had closed and did not see the threatening gesture which was crevel's parting greeting she walked with a proud defiant step like a martyr to the Colosseum, but her strength was exhausted she sank on the sofa in her blue room as if she were ready to faint and sat there with her eyes fixed on the tumble-down summer-house where her daughter was gossiping with cousin betty from the first days of her married life to the present time the baroness had loved her husband as josephine in the end had loved napoleon with an admiring maternal and cowardly devotion though ignorant of the details given her by crevel she knew that for twenty years past baron hulot had been anything rather than a faithful husband but she had sealed her eyes with lead she had wept in silence and no word of reproach had ever escaped her in return for this angelic sweetness she had won her husband's veneration and something approaching to worship from all who were about her a wife's affection for her husband and the respect she pays him are infectious in a family hortense believed her father to be a perfect model of conjugal affection as to their son brought up to admire the baron whom everybody regarded as one of the giants who so effectually backed napoleon he knew that he owed his advancement to his father's name position and credit and besides the impressions of childhood exert an enduring influence he still was afraid of his father and if he had suspected the misdeeds revealed by crevel as he was too much overawed by him to find fault he would have found excuses in the view every man takes of such matters it now will be necessary to give the reasons for the extraordinary self-devotion of a good and beautiful woman and this in a few words is her past history three brothers simple laboring men named fisher and living in a village situated on the furthest frontier of lorraine were compelled by the republican conscription to set out with the so-called army of the rhine in seventeen ninety nine the second brother andre a widower and madame hulot's father left his daughter to the care of his elder brother pierre fisher disabled from service by a wound received in seventeen ninety seven and made a small private venture in the military transport service an opening he owed to the favor of hulot d'ervy who was high in the commissariat by a very obvious chance hulot coming to strasbourg saw the fisher family adeline's father and his younger brother were at that time contractors for forage in the province of alsace adeline then sixteen years of age might be compared with the famous madame du barry like her a daughter of lorraine she was one of those perfect and striking beauties a woman like madame tallien finished with peculiar care by nature who bestows on them all her choicest gifts 
distinction dignity grace refinement elegance flesh of a superior texture and a complexion mingled in the unknown laboratory where good luck presides these beautiful creatures all have something in common bianca capella whose portrait is one of bronzino's masterpieces jean goujon's venus painted from the famous diane de poitiers signora olympia whose picture adorns the doria gallery ninon madame du barry madame tallien mademoiselle georges madame recamier all these women who preserved their beauty in spite of years of passion and of their life of excess and pleasure have in figure frame and in the character of their beauty certain striking resemblances enough to make one believe that there is in the ocean of generations an aphrodisian current whence every such venus is born all daughters of the same salt wave adeline fisher one of the loveliest of this race of goddesses had the splendid type the flowing lines the exquisite texture of a woman born a queen the fair hair that our mother eve received from the hand of god the form of an empress an air of grandeur and an august line of profile with her rural modesty made every man pause in delight as she passed like amateurs in front of a raphael in short having once seen her the commissariat officer made mademoiselle adeline fisher his wife as quickly as the law would permit to the great astonishment of the fishers who had all been brought up in the fear of their betters the eldest a soldier of seventeen ninety two severely wounded in the attack on the lines at wissembourg adored the emperor napoleon and everything that had to do with the grande armee andre and johann spoke with respect of commissary hulot the emperor's protege to whom indeed they owed their prosperity for hulot d'ervy finding them intelligent and honest had taken them from the army provision wagons to place them in charge of a government contract needing despatch the brothers fisher had done further service during the campaign of eighteen hundred and four at the peace hulot had secured for them the contract for forage from alsace not knowing that he would presently be sent to strasbourg to prepare for the campaign of eighteen hundred and six this marriage was like an assumption to the young peasant girl the beautiful adeline was translated at once from the mire of her village to the paradise of the imperial court for the contractor one of the most conscientious and hard-working of the commissariat staff was made a baron obtained a place near the emperor and was attached to the imperial guard the handsome rustic bravely set to work to educate herself for love of her husband for she was simply crazy about him and indeed the commissariat officer was as a man a perfect match for adeline as a woman he was one of the picked corps of fine men tall well-built fair with beautiful blue eyes full of irresistible fire and life his elegant appearance made him remarkable by the side of d'orsay forbin ouvrard in short in the battalion of fine men that surrounded the emperor a conquering buck and holding the ideas of the directoire with regard to women his career of gallantry was interrupted for some long time by his conjugal affection to adeline the baron was from the first a sort of god who could do no wrong to him she owed everything fortune she had a carriage a fine house every luxury of the day happiness 
he was devoted to her in the face of the world a title for she was a baroness fame for she was spoken of as the beautiful madame hulot and in paris finally she had the honor of refusing the emperor's advances for napoleon made her a present of a diamond necklace and always remembered her asking now and again and is the beautiful madame hulot still a model of virtue in the tone of a man who might have taken his revenge on one who should have triumphed where he had failed so it needs no great intuition to discern what were the motives in a simple guileless and noble soul for the fanaticism of madame hulot's love having fully persuaded herself that her husband could do her no wrong she made herself in the depths of her heart the humble abject and blindfold slave of the man who had made her it must be noted too that she was gifted with great good sense the good sense of the people which made her education sound in society she spoke little and never spoke evil of any one she did not try to shine she thought out many things listened well and formed herself on the model of the best conducted women of good birth in eighteen fifteen hulot followed the lead of the prince de wissembourg his intimate friend and became one of the officers who organized the improvised troops whose rout brought the napoleonic cycle to a close at waterloo in eighteen sixteen the baron was one of the men best hated by the feltre administration and was not reinstated in the commissariat till eighteen twenty three when he was needed for the spanish war in eighteen thirty he took office as the fourth wheel of the coach at the time of the levies a sort of conscription made by louis philippe on the old napoleonic soldiery from the time when the younger branch ascended the throne having taken an active part in bringing that about he was regarded as an indispensable authority at the war office he had already won his marshal's baton and the king could do no more for him unless by making him minister or a peer of france from eighteen eighteen till eighteen twenty three having no official occupation baron hulot had gone on active service to womankind madame hulot dated her hector's first infidelities from the grand finale of the empire thus for twelve years the baroness had filled the part in her household of prima donna assoluta without a rival she still could boast of the old-fashioned inveterate affection which husbands feel for wives who are resigned to be gentle and virtuous helpmates she knew that if she had a rival that rival would not subsist for two hours under a word of reproof from herself but she shut her eyes she stopped her ears she would know nothing of her husband's proceedings outside his home in short she treated her hector as a mother treats a spoiled child three years before the conversation reported above hortense at the theatre des varietes had recognized her father in a lower-tier stage-box with jenny cadine and had exclaimed there's papa you are mistaken my darling he is at the marshal's the baroness replied she too had seen jenny cadine but instead of feeling a pang when she saw how pretty she was she said to herself that rascal hector must think himself very lucky she suffered nevertheless she gave herself up in secret to rages of torment 
but as soon as she saw hector she always remembered her twelve years of perfect happiness and could not find it in her to utter a word of complaint she would have been glad if the baron would have taken her into his confidence but she never dared to let him see that she knew of his kicking over the traces out of respect for her husband such an excess of delicacy is never met with but in those grand creatures daughters of the soil whose instinct it is to take blows without ever returning them the blood of the early martyrs still lives in their veins well-born women their husbands equals feel the impulse to annoy them to mark the points of their tolerance like points at billiards by some stinging word partly in the spirit of diabolical malice and to secure the upper hand or the right of turning the tables the baroness had an ardent admirer in her brother-in-law lieutenant-general hulot the venerable colonel of the grenadiers of the imperial infantry guard who was to have a marshal's baton in his old age this veteran after having served from eighteen thirty to eighteen thirty four as commandant of the military division including the departments of brittany the scene of his exploits in seventeen ninety nine and eighteen hundred had come to settle in paris near his brother for whom he had a fatherly affection this old soldier's heart was in sympathy with his sister-in-law he admired her as the noblest and saintliest of her sex he had never married because he hoped to find a second adeline though he had vainly sought for her through twenty campaigns in as many lands to maintain her place in the esteem of this blameless and spotless old republican of whom napoleon had said that brave old hulot is the most obstinate republican but he will never be false to me adeline would have endured griefs even greater than those that had just come upon her but the old soldier seventy-two years of age battered by thirty campaigns and wounded for the twenty-seventh time at waterloo was adeline's admirer and not a protector the poor old count among other infirmities could only hear through a speaking trumpet so long as baron hulot d'ervy was a fine man his flirtations did not damage his fortune but when a man is fifty the graces claim payment at that age love becomes vice insensate vanities come into play thus at about that time adeline saw that her husband was incredibly particular about his dress he dyed his hair and whiskers and wore a belt and stays he was determined to remain handsome at any cost this care of his person a weakness he had once mercilessly mocked at was carried out in the minutest details at last adeline perceived that the pactolus poured out before the baron's mistresses had its source in her pocket in eight years he had dissipated a considerable amount of money and so effectually that on his son's marriage two years previously the baron had been compelled to explain to his wife that his pay constituted their whole income what shall we come to asked adeline be quite easy said the official i will leave the whole of my salary in your hands and i will make a fortune for hortense and some savings for the future in business the wife's deep belief in her husband's power and superior talents in his capabilities and character had in fact for the moment allayed her anxiety End of chapter three